think uh, he says, I charge thee to that this epistle be read into all the churches. And the word there, it says it commands. It's a strong word. When you give somebody a charge or if you're giving a charge, you're giving something that it's not optional. You do it. You have a charge. You've been given a charge all week. Hey, God, thank you, brother. Hey, God, to glorify a never-dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. Beyond this, this veil here. Well, this morning, I'd like to talk to you a bit about kind of two things, but they're, they're both very closely related. Well, I, I put it under this, this title, How to Grow as Fast as You Can, or How to Win the Race of Life. <clears throat> I wanted to comment a bit right here. At this point, here's the children, the little Delina age. Here's the 10, 12-year-olds, and here's you. This point, and I don't know, I don't know that I can say that it's a biblical point, but it's a point where you have reached what we call the age of accountability. You have, you're at a place where you are accountable. I probably, every single one of you in here are accountable before God from now on. Below this, we don't consider you to be accountable. We don't consider that God will condemn you for your, for your um, carnality. But here is where you are. And right here... You have the, what I want to tell you to the, this after this morning is I want to tell you a little bit more, uh, a little bit how you can raise raise yourself to get up here into this realm up here where you can begin to see, but from a far broader perspective, and even get beyond it. If I could do this, so you could break through and you could see clearly how to do that. So right here, you're here now. And I'm going to assume, and I don't think I'm wrong in assuming this, that's why you're here. Every one of you want to get beyond this two years, excuse me, this two years that only you can see just a little ways. You want to get beyond where you, where, and that's what Mickey was telling you about. He wants you to, and he was encouraging you to, you're here, get beyond that to where you can see beyond that. And it'll change your life. So that's what I'd like to help you do. I'd like to tell you how you can grow faster than what you are now. How you can do it. To go here. Or beyond this right here. You're going to walk on a path. You're going to go a direction. You're going to. You have the choice to make now. To as you run this race. You have a choice to make. What path are you going to go? And I'll just come right out and say it clearly and plainly. And sometimes it's not as descriptive as it should be. But there is a path. There's a, I'll just, I don't know how else to say it. There's a liberal path and there's a conservative path, okay? <clears throat> now, that you can't necessarily divide it right there all the time. But there is a path that you can go on. That And you've seen it, you've seen it, I've seen it, where the children were taught this, but they decided they want to go a little different path than where they were going, and they decided to go up over here a little bit. And, and I, I, we probably preached it all week, but the fact of the matter is that path sometimes leads downward. I want to help you stay on the clear, and, I, and I'm going to be real honest with you and say conservative path. Now that doesn't mean all of a sudden we dress all in black and all those kinds of things. But it means a mindset that is concerned about the things that come in, the things of the world that tend to draw us away. I want you to take the path that is concerned about those things. 
And you choose to be conservative in your, in your choices. Not just uh, anything, yeah, anything. I'm concerned about this. That's godly. And that takes a spiritual young person, and an older person too, to take that approach. Because it's not natural. Now I realize, I realize, and I'll say this up front and I'll try not to say it again. I realize that you take what we call um, conservative people or conservative churches and, and that doesn't all of a sudden make them righteous and holy and spiritual and all those kind of things. That itself is not the answer. But the mindset that says, I am going to be aware of what's going on in my life and the pressures that are pressuring me, the influences that are influencing me, and I'm going to make a choice. There's all kinds of races out there. There's, there's bicycle races, there's foot races, there's horse races, there's car races, there's all kinds of races. And they all have tracks. There's swimming races, and they all have regulations and rules in them that you have to follow. If you don't follow them, you know you'll be disqualified. And when you practice for these things, whenever they practice for these things, if it's a, a physical race, they'll sometimes, runners, they'll wear weights on their ankles as they run just to practice, just to build their strength. Or swimmers, they'll swim with things that hinder them when they're practicing. But I want to emphasize to you, young people this morning, this life is not practice. We lay aside those weights and we put them away. This life is not a practice life. Yeah, you may say, I've got 50 years yet. 60 years, you may, and you may not. But this life is not practice. We don't put those things on, and we don't go down this path just a little ways to see, I wonder what that's like. It's a little different than what, my, what I've been taught. It's a little different maybe, but I wonder what it's like over here. That's, that's practicing that is going to slow you down. This life is not a practice life. We're not in this thing for the fun of it. It's serious. You never know. You never know, and I know we know this, but I'll say it. You never know when, to, when your life may end. You just don't know. It wasn't very long ago I was your age. 40 years, 45, 40, 45 years ago I was your age, and it didn't take very long to get here. Anyway, some of these races take seconds to complete. When I was in, in junior high school, I remember we had phys ed class, and we run the 50-yard dash. And I wasn't probably the fastest runner. I know I'm not the fastest runner, but I took a little pride in how fast I could run, to my shame. But I could run pretty fast, and... And we call it the 50-yard dash. I don't even think they do it anymore. And you ran for 50 yards, and they timed you. And if you got below seven seconds, you was a pretty fast runner. Seven seconds. That didn't take very long. <clears throat> and then there's races, bicycle races. They take days to race. Okay. You say, why are you telling me this? Why are you spending time talking about these kind of things? I'm only telling you this because it doesn't take very long to run a race. There is rules in the race. There's regulations in the race. And we all have to live by those. And we are, we are here today. We're in a race. And God has set some rules and some regulations up that we must follow. And if we try to, to swerve around those things, we're going to be disqualified. You've probably, how many of you have read or heard the story of uh, the Pilgrim's Progress? Put up your hands. Okay, good, thank you, that's good. It's not the Bible. And there may be some theological questions in it, I'll grant you there may be. But there are also some very real life practical applications that, that we can apply to our lives. Do you remember the time, and I, I, we're listening to it, as we started driving out here, we started listening to it on the way out. I haven't got here yet, but I've heard it before. And I, I remember vaguely the, the time when I think it was Christian and hopeful. I don't know who it was that had convinced Christian to go off the side of the path and take a little easier path. It was green. and um, What was that pathway called? Remember? 
Maybe it didn't have a name. Bypass Meadow. Bypass Meadow. That sounds right. Does that sound right? Yeah. Bypass Meadow. They were heading to the celestial city. And I don't know what made them. Did Hopeful lure them aside? Is that who did that? I think Hope was one who was traveling with a uh, uh, Christian at that time, and he lured him. Uh, let's take this road. It looks a lot easier. It's not as rocky, not as these kind of things. And he said, let's just take the bypass meadow. You know where they ended up? Where'd they end up? Somebody tell me. Yeah. Doubting Castle. And you know what happened in Doubting Castle? Somebody tell me. Right. They were imprisoned. They were they were. Their doubts would not let them. What did it take to get out of that castle? The key of promise, promise, right? Good. Thank you. We had to believe the promises. So we take this bypass meadows. Bypass meadows. We think that's an easier path. Yeah, let's do that. That's a little easier. And that looks a little more enjoyable. Maybe a little more fun. But it'll lead you to the wrong place. <clears throat> Turn with me to Yeah, right here, let's see. I think it was. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I've just told you that there is a a good path, the right path, and there is a wrong path. And it leads to the wrong place. And I suppose I could also say that while in the allegory that uh, uh, John Bunyan wrote, he talked about the bypass meadow. And I am sure there's... He, didn't, he couldn't get everything, and allegory always breaks down. But there's, there's other people that didn't even go on the path at all. They started, but they went off on other path, another path. The path of bypass meadow was a path of ease. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll start reading in verse 21. To them that are without law, well, maybe we should start in 20. And unto the Jews I became as a Jews, and I might gain the Jews. To them that were under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I, made all, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all, by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be... Partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they that do it, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul says that he became weak as so the weak, as the weak, so that he could gain them. But let me tell you something, young people. Paul did not lay aside his principles that he had in walking with God. He did not come down there and participate in their, in their games and their folly and their frivolity. I don't believe he did it. He went to them and said, I understand where you're at, but there's a better way. He was willing to go and talk to them and be with them and help them. He was willing to go to the Jews and say, I know what you're coming from. I know that you're having a struggle with believing that, that the Messiah has come. And I don't know what all he said. But he never went down there and, sorry to emphasize it so much, but I think there's a lot of, lot of power in it. He didn't go down there and said, I'll listen to your kind of music too. I don't believe he did. I don't believe he went down and did those kind of things. What he did was, he held them, he held up to them, he, became, he came down to them and said, there's a better way. You know how it is so much more powerful and so much more respectable when you can go to 
live your life, go to your friend or whoever they are, and you can, you can hold up a standard and you can hold on to that standard while they feel like you're still with them, you're willing to help them. Don't bring your standard down just so that you can be like them. You cannot become like the world to win the world. It won't happen. It will not happen. You will become like the world because you're on Satan's turf here. He has strength over those kinds of things right now. Over those, those, those temporal, those carnal things, Satan has strength. And he can lure you down into that and you can become addicted and fall into sin. You go down there where they are, you'll become like them. <clears throat> First John chapter 2. I'm going to give you a list of things here after a while. A list of things that you need to, that can help you on your path. That can help you to grow as fast as you can. Now, you can't, you can't become a 63-year-old man or a 70-year-old man suddenly. You can't do that. You're limited in that respect. You know, when I look at my life, and I look at the next, the rest of my life, I'm, sorry, the, sorry excuse the expression, but I'm over the hill. I can begin to see down the other side a little bit. For you, generally, you're looking out there and just like life is in front of you. What can I do with it? I'm young. I'm strong. I'm free. What can I do? For me, it's not that way. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a hog farmer, grain farmer in Ohio, western Ohio. I, I was taught that, I, that, that way of life, and I loved that way of life. I wanted to farm. I didn't get to for several years then. Opportunity came up. A farm down the road came for rent, and, and I was able to rent it, and I began farming. It happened that as things went on, the, the, the owner of the farm wanted to sell it. I didn't think I could buy it. I didn't think I could afford it. didn't think I could make it happen. So I said, okay, I'll let it go, and I got off the farm. Today, I still like to farm. I still like to go out there. I love to go out in the field and just drive the tractor up, up and down and just do whatever, tilling or planting or whatever it is and harvesting. I love to do that. But not anymore. I have got to the point where I've said now I'm not interested at all in going into debt buying a farm or buying equipment and beginning to farm. I'd like to farm, but I'm not interested in that. What I, I've gotten to the place where those things don't allure me anymore. I don't care about trucks. Mickey's right. I don't care what kind of car I drive. Just give me a car that's dependable. And my little truck, it has almost no power. It's a four-cylinder. And it doesn't do... I don't care about that. I don't. Because I have gotten beyond that. Now, what we're trying to tell you, where I want to go with this is, I want you young people, what I'm trying to get you to do is be able to get you to this place also. It took me 45 years to get here. In your spiritual minds and in your desires, I want you to get to the place where those things don't matter anymore. You've got a far more eternal and and, uh, perspective. That's what I say. I want you to grow as fast as you can. You can't grow beyond your years. I mean, your years are going to be there. But you can, in your hearts, develop your spiritual man to the point that it is strong enough that these kind of allurements of the world don't allure you anymore. That's where we're trying to go. That's where we want you to go. We want you to be different. Different. It's okay to be different. There's the broad way and there's the narrow way. I I told you to turn to 1 John, I believe, didn't I? 1 John 2. Beginning in verse 15. Mickey quoted this this morning also. Love not the world... Neither the things that are in the world. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world. Okay, you may say, okay, what is the world? What is the world to you? What is the world to me? What is the world to you? I appreciate it so much, Brother Harold Dean's comment. He said, these lists in the Bible are not comprehensive. No. What was that word, brother? They're not exhaustive. They are representative. Thank you. These lists are not, neither is this list exhaustive. Let's talk about the world. It's representative of something. It's representative of the things that lead you down. The world is those kinds of things. It is the domain of the devil. And you all know these things. I just want to somehow impress this on your minds that there is a path you can take. And you have seen it. I have seen it. Let's go back 500 years. 400 years, whatever you want to go back to. And look at those people back there. They don't look like us. Their culture was different. Their dress was different. They don't look like us. In fact, I heard John D. Martin say one day, he said, he was talking about music, and he said, uh, he was talking about the rhythm, I think, in music. Maybe is it the tune, I forget what it was now. But he said, they did more chanting back then because they thought anything more than that was worldly. We wouldn't, we wouldn't consider doing that. In fact, we're encouraging melody and harmony. They didn't encourage that back then. Who's right and who's wrong? Have we digressed? Were they right? And if we were still doing that, we'd be better off. I don't think it's so much the what of something as the why of something. If you get the why, if you have your solid reasons, true reasons why you do things, what you do will follow. Get the whys. What you do, do with purpose. Then what you do will be okay. If you do it for the right reasons, get your whys before you do the what. The path you choose, the path you take, the path you walk on, the the witness you leave behind, the legacy, if you will. What will it be? I want to talk to you about what I'm trying to get here is Obviously, we have uh, appreciation for the lifestyle we participate in. We parents, grandparents, we have an appreciation for that because, for one thing, we have lived long enough to see what, what leads people astray and what keeps people pointing the right direction. I'll just say it straight out. If you, if any of you, are resenting or resisting or, or um, feel a bit of um, resistance, I guess, about the path that you're on now or the path that your church is taking or the path your parents are encouraging you in, I say, and I've said this before, but beware. I encourage you. <clears throat> I don't think I've used this illustration before. An old brother, um, he said, look at the family pictures. Why is it? In the middle, here sits grandpa and grandma. And they've, they, they're clearly held on to something by the way they're dressed. The children don't look quite the same. Their children look even different. Not every family is this way. Not every family, but some families are. 
I want you to someday look back and say, I've held on to the course. I've maintained the direction I was given. And I've not, I've not pushed out beyond. Because you know what happens. You've seen it. I've seen it too. You, you push out beyond, and this takes one step, and this takes another step, and another step, and before long you have divorce and remarriage in your family. It happens. And it's a crying shame. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And that word train, you've probably all heard Brother Denny say it if you listen to Godly Home series. Train means to narrow up. That means to bring in those loose ends and cut them off and, and narrow up. And that's what we're doing as we walk in life. We're training. We're walking this path of life and we're narrowing it up. It's easy to let this, it's far easier to just be, I don't know, I don't care. Then to say, no, I'm going to stand. I encourage you, young people, take a stand and hold on to it. Not only will you not regret it, but neither will your children, especially when you get beyond this veil. Love not the world. Turn with me over to John chapter 14. Jesus here is talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. John 14, verse 20. Begin in verse 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. When we love, excuse me, when we keep the commandments of the Lord Jesus, we show our love to him. Sure, we love him because he first loved us. But my point is, when you keep the commands, that is love. Not to say you don't, for most of us, I said this earlier this week, for most of us, the fear of hell is what drives us to come to Christ. Keep the commands. When you do that, you love Christ. Now, I'm not saying that the commands of this pathway we're, or the expectations of, the, of this path that we're walking on, this direction we're going, is I'm not saying that they save you. I am saying that they lead you safely. They can lead you safely. There's not a parent in this, of any child in this room that wants their children to go astray out into the world. Not one parent. Their sole goal, and they may not always do things right, but their goal is to lead you to show you the path that leads to truth and right and righteousness in heaven. That's their goal. <clears throat> now, they may not always do it right. They may have their failures. I might get into my, the rest of my message here in a little bit. <clears throat> but to keep the commands is to love. You know, I have a little memory card in my folder here. It's from my... From my father's funeral. We as a children with mother went to the funeral home and we, we went there and we picked out the casket and we picked out some various things. And one thing we picked out was a memory card. And had the option to put a poem or something on the inside. <clears throat> and this is what mother chose. It's because she had lived life. She was at that point, I think, 86 years old. Maybe 87, I'm not sure. Because she had lived life a little while. And she knew that life and this pathway of life is not always easy. This is the poem. You've all heard it, but I'll read it to you. God hath not promised skies of blue, 
flower-strewn pathways all your life through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy and undying love. That's what God has promised. Divert off the path and you don't get these things. Stay on the path and you've got a promise. And that's the way out if you have any doubts of Doubting Castle. And that's the way out of getting back on the road that leads to life. I want to give you my list. How to win in this race of life. How to grow as fast as you can. We've had young people come to us and say, I just can't seem to deal with this. I just can't seem to get over this. I've got these big problems, and they're big. I just can't seem to overcome. Let me give you a, a little list that, that I think, as I have lived life and as I've watched and as I've, I've talked with people, this list is a, a list that I think if you'll get a hold of the principles in this list, you'll begin to grow faster than you are now. Number one, and you all know this, but I'll say it, become a follower of Jesus. Number one, give your heart and life to the will and to the ways of God. Let him have you. I mean, when I say that, I mean, it's not now you don't anymore say, I think I'm going to do this. I think we're going to go here and do that. It's, it's, Lord, what do you want? What is right? And we'll go down through some of these things again, but it's become a follower. Walk with God. And we've heard lots of ways to do that here this week. Walk with God. Number one, become a follower of Jesus. How to grow as fast as you can? Become a follower of Jesus. And you know what a follower of Jesus is? It's a young person. It's an older person. It's a person who is willing to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him daily. Every day when you get up, you make a choice, consciously or subconsciously. You make a choice. I'm going to take up my cross today. I'm going to follow Jesus I'm not going to go my own way. And if I have some of these feelings of rebellion or resistance in my heart, I'm going to throw them all aside and say, Lord, forgive me of that. I'm going to walk with you. That's a follower of Jesus. You know, it's pretty easy to get caught up in life and then just life goes and day after day after week after week after month after month after year after year goes by. That happens. I, what we're saying is, young people, get a hold of this principle that every day you wake up and you make a choice. You make a decision. And you may, they may even become habits with you. We recommend you get up in the morning and you spend at least a little time in the Word. And a little time praying. That's not going to make you... That's not gonna, now you're all, sudden, all suddenly going to be classified as spiritual because you do that. That's going to help you on your walk. That's not going to save you of itself, but that's going to be a blessing to you. Become a follower of Jesus. Constant figure every day is my responsibility to do something with. You know, Jesus only had three and a half years here when he was started his ministry, and I don't suppose he kind of t t took a week's vacation sometime. I don't think he did. And I'm not, a, I'm not saying you couldn't, shouldn't take a vacation sometime. What I'm saying is he didn't lay down or forget or let loose of the principles of life that guided his life. He talked with his father every day. He said, I only do the will of my father. That's what Jesus did. That's what I want you to do. Only do the will of your father in heaven. Only. So make a conscious choice. And yes, they can become habits. But they're still choices. Every night when I go to bed, almost, I set my alarm clock thinking I'm going to get up in the morning and meet with God. There are some mornings I don't. My, the general principle of my life is I'm going to get up in the morning and I want to meet with God because that's how I'm going to make it through the day. That's how I'm going to maintain this course of life that I have set because I decided I would set my sights in that direction. I was going to walk this path. 
Number two. Some of you have heard this message. I'm not going to re-preach it. Number two. If you want to grow as fast as you can, call sin, sin. Call sin, sin. Let me give you a little example. Some of you have heard it, but I'll say it again. We all know that anger is sin. To be angry is sin. We all know that. But where does it start? At what point? Because it's a very slow, subtle thing that happens. It starts back here. Does it start back here with just your flesh, just letting your flesh do what it wants to do? Or does it start back here with just a little frustration? Or does it start back here with a little impatience? Where does it start? It's almost impossible to say it starts anywhere except it starts right here at the beginning. Impatience. Call impatience sin and deal with it. You'll grow. <clears throat> Another one, lying. Everybody knows lying is wrong. Everybody knows just a little deception is wrong. What about a half-truth? What about an exaggeration? Take that, take that little exaggeration and call it a lie, and you'll grow. <clears throat> Number three, and I don't know if these are in order necessarily, but number three, seek for truth. Pursue truth. What is truth? What is right? Find out. If you don't know, find out. Read your Bible. The devil will tell you, oh, just a little is okay. Don't worry about it. I asked a brother's forgiveness one time. He said, don't worry about it. It's okay. He wrote me back and said, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. What you did was wrong. I forgive you. That's truth. He was willing to let the truth into his heart and say, that's a little thing. I, I, I didn't think anything about it. I, I accepted what he said was forgiveness. But he said, no, it's not quite true. I forgive you is what I should say. His conscience was sensitive to the point that he come back and said, I didn't do that right. Seek for truth. Number four. <clears throat> Number four. Ask counsel. Ask counsel. What do you think about this? In Proverbs it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. And you know, there's one thing about asking counsel that it's real easy in many ways, many times, to ask it, but it becomes a little harder to do it. <clears throat> I'm telling you, and I'm encouraging you, ask counsel. And I tell you, don't go like, I think it was Rehoboam, he went to his, his people that was his age, and they gave him this counsel. He went to why the old men, and they gave him this counsel, and decided to take the, the counsel of the, of the young, because that suited him better. Just because you can ask counsel, I don't have a problem with you asking counsel of each other, but be careful that's your motivation for taking what counsel you take. But if you're going to ask counsel, my recommendation is ask somebody older. They've been through a few experiences of life. And they may, they may you know, they, you may get, you know, have different various uh, maturities in their counsel, but ask counsel and then do what they say. If you're going to ask, go to somebody you trust, ask counsel, then do it. It's so easy to ask the counsel and not like it and decide you ask somebody else to get a little better counsel, different counsel. If you want to grow as fast as you can, ask counsel. Don't think you know the answers. It's like Mickey said here the other day, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. And I don't say that degradingly. It's, I say that because there is an enemy out there to, to pull you away in whatever way he doesn't care how he does it. Ask counsel. Do this every day. 
I don't mean ask counsel every day. Have this spirit. Help me learn. Help me grow. Have that mindset. When somebody sees you coming, they can tell, they know by, your, by who you are that you are not coming to tell them what to do. Your, your mind is open to receive. You're receptive to what these people that you may be approaching, these people you trust and appreciate and, and are, count, are good, wise, wise people, they, they, they see you coming and they say they know who you are. Number five, pray. This may not be in order, like I said. Number five, pray. Spend time in prayer. And you know, prayer is a kind of a, uh, it can be a very difficult thing if prayer is a requirement. However, if prayer is a communication, if prayer is a relationship, it's not difficult. You don't have any problem talking to your best friend. You don't have any problem if you can appreciate your parents, and I hope you all do. You don't have any problem talking with them. If you have trouble with prayer, I encourage you, take a look at your relationship. Take a look at your dedication. Take a look at what you have decided is important in life. And just see, maybe there's a reason that Communication with the Lord is hard. Prayer is not just an exercise. It's a relationship. I wrote down here, prayer is an exercise until it becomes a necessity. And then it becomes a desire. when prayer becomes a necessity, you have nowhere else to go. And you're spiritual enough to say, I need something different and something more. When it becomes a necessity, then it becomes a desire. If prayer is an exercise, analyze your life and your heart and say, what's my relationship? I find, for whatever it's, I don't know if this is good or bad or spiritual or unspiritual, but I found myself many times, spent much time down in the basement of this place praying because I knew I was going to stand up here and I had something I needed to say. And I was responsible before God for everything I said. And I wanted to know what God's heart was and God's will was. And I wanted to know how he wanted me to say it. And I wanted to be broken my own self. It was a necessity. Number six, be honest with yourself. Make no excuses. Excuses are the doors for the devil to deceive. Respond to your first impressions. You know, when sometimes, whenever you, sometimes you will think, oh, I don't know if I should say that or should have done that. Don't let that one go. Don't let that one go. Take notice of that. See if that's right. We sang the song, I don't remember when it was this morning maybe, about what Felix said, I will call for thee in a convenient season. With that kind of an attitude, there's no convenient season. Be honest with yourself and look at your heart and say, what is my heart really? Am I moving with the the direction God wants me to go, or am I chafing a bit at what I'm, I'm, at the direction I'm shown? Be honest with yourself. Don't try to tell yourself, I'm not as bad as I think I am, or not, that's just a, that's just a condemnation of the devil. It might be, I won't give, I won't take that away from you, but be careful that you don't, that you don't throw away those Promptings of the Holy Spirit in you that says, maybe it's not that bad. Be careful of that one. Don't let let yourself say, well, maybe it's not that bad. Be honest with yourself. 
what your really, what your true motivation is. Why are you saying that? Why aren't you willing to take this thing and say, that was wrong? Or that's leading the wrong direction. Be honest with yourself. Number seven. Make choices to discipline yourself. Okay, that in itself is not salvation. I don't, want to, I don't want to infer that or encourage that anything, but it is the walk of the Christian life, discipline of your own flesh, of your own self. And make choices to do that. It's good for you. It's good for you to spend time fasting. We don't hear much about fasting. How many of you ever spent three days fasting? Four days. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Eight days? Put your hand up. I'm sorry. I can't see if you have eight days. It doesn't matter, really. But do you know what it is? You know what it is? Even three days. Even one day. One day is not very hard. To purpose to discipline yourself. To say, like I said, I think last night, flesh, I'm in control now. I'm taking control. And we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Is good. To be, to be at a place where you have to do what you don't want to do is good in the right way. Take it, right, take it like I mean it. <clears throat> Make choices to, fa- to discipline yourself. Fasting, I mentioned, uh, and I've already mentioned this earlier. Get up in the morning. Go to bed at night. Giving. Giving of your time. Discipline yourself. Give your attention. Give your heart. Discipline yourself to give with your heart. And you're giving. Don't do it resentfully or regretfully or uh, stingily. But give it with your heart. Discipline yourself. You know, there's a lot of commitments made that are never kept, and I hope that's never true of any of us. We'll come to Bible school. We live in a greenhouse. I said that already, but we live here. We're here for a week, and oh, it's so nice, so nice, so nice. But you go back home. Discipline yourself to keep these commitments you've made here. Make them happen. With the right heart, amen, Lord, I'll do that gladly. With the heart that after you've been away from Bible school for a week or two or a month, the heart's not quite the same. It may not be quite the same. Come back to this. Discipline yourself. This is the call of God to take up your cross daily and follow him. Number eight, establish an identity Make a conscious choice to choose your companions. A conscious choice to choose those companions who, you, who are going the same direction you're going and you want to walk with them. And it may not always be the most fun ones. It may not be all the prettiest ones or the most handsome ones. I don't know. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I just know, I just know the lust of the human flesh. Establish an identity. So whenever anybody sees you, they know who you are. Establish that. And don't give a confusing uh, identity of, well, when you're with this group of people, you're this way. Or when you're with this group of people, you're with this way. My wife tells about when she was young. She had this group of friends that was in this area and this group of friends that was in this area. And occasionally when those overlapped, she was uncomfortable because... Don't take me wrong. She's a very godly woman. But she struggled with this. 
If you find yourself doing that, I say beware. Establish an identity that everybody knows who you are. How to grow as fast as you can. Establish that. Make a conscious choice to associate with a certain group of people. Choose your traveling companions. Number nine. Some of these may overlap a bit. Give yourself to learning. I am a learner. I have things to learn. Teach me. Help me know. I am a learner. Ecclesiastes says, verse 4, chapter 13, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. It's better to be a poor child than than an old king who will not be able to learn. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Give yourself to learning. Listen. How many times, and I think somebody's mentioned it here already this week, how many times do you sit and listen to somebody speaking and you're in a conversation where it might be a little controversial, you may have a little difference of opinion. They're talking. And you find yourself tuning them out a little bit because you want to keep your thoughts over here and you want to establish and get your thoughts all in order. So when they're done talking, you can give your point. I'm, I'm suggesting you and telling you when somebody's talking, listen. Be willing to learn. Now granted, there's lots of things can be taught and lots of things that are wrong. But, but establish in your heart, I want to be a learner. Give yourself to learning. Number 10. Ways that you can grow as fast as you can beyond your years. Be patient. Don't try to, don't try to run ahead too far. Don't think you know how to do it so you're going to go. Maybe you do, but just be patient. With my boys, I have a reputation of saying, let's not go too fast now. And sometimes they're right, we should go a little faster. But I believe that we're far better off if we have to choose which one we're going to do. It's better to go slowly and carefully than quickly. There's an old, there's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go far, or excuse me, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together you don't always go so fast when you go together but you go and you make it be patient be patient I remember also one time we was bailing straw and I was I don't know if I was 25 or 30 years old I was young and I still had a lot of energy and ambition and, and I said we was talking about my father and my brother and I were working together and we uh we said, uh, well, I said, well, I think we ought to, and I gave my plan, and, and Daddy said, well, I don't think we'll do it quite that fast. And he was right. Be patient. Just, just take all these things, put them all together. You can't take, you can't, you can't take this one that says be patient, and then you just, you just determine, okay, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stand back here and not do anything. I'm going to be patient. But put all these things together that we're talking about. Be patient. Just wait. You may be wrong. Number 11. And Mickey gave you a very clear teaching. I think it was last night, yesterday afternoon, morning, whatever it was. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Establish in your heart that you know better than most people and you're going to hinder your growth. Establish in your heart that you're going to humble yourself. You can grow. Just humble yourself. Look for signs of pride in your life. Look for ways to receive help in your life. Look for ways to help others.
I'll just say this one thing about, about humble yourself. Embarrassment can be, and most of the time is, a sign of pride. If you find yourself embarrassed, okay, maybe you did something wrong and foolish and you shouldn't have and you realize that. And you're sorry and you're ashamed. But sometimes it's awful easy to just simply be embarrassed because of what people think of you. Humble yourself. Number 12. Use your time wisely. And I'm just going to go down this pathway just a little bit. Most of us are very busy. Have a lot of things going. Have a lot of things to do. It's, just, it's, it's up in the morning and get at it and do what we have to do and it's go to bed at night exhausted and you get up in the morning and go, go, go. I'm going to suggest to you that to take time to meditate is very, very valuable. Stop and think. Wait a minute. Where am I going? What have I accomplished in my life so far? What did I do yesterday? What do I want to do today? Meditate. Think about what God would want you to do. The ways of God. The ways of Jesus. Read the word. We already talked about that. Take time to meditate. Take time to assess and evaluate who you are, where you're going, where you've gone. Take time. That's how you can begin to grow and continue to grow as fast as you can. Number 14. Attend church. Attend the assembly of the saints. Come there and purpose to be there. Not just on Sunday. Okay, what I mean by that is, now, you you got your jobs and you got your things to do. You can't always be together all day long every day. But in heart, you can be a part of this, the assembly of the saints. In heart. Thinking about what? This sister is doing today or going through today or this brother, what they might be doing. Attend the church. Let that kind of a group influence you. Support it. Stand behind it. This is my church. And I'm going to do all I can to promote its values and its, and its strength. And I'm going to promote it all that I can. I've said it before, I'll say it one more time. The church is the only thing that Jesus said would prevail against the powers of hell. You need it. Now, there may be some of you who are out here in, this, in, in your isolated areas. I'm not faulting you. But the assembly of the saints, you know, to have a heart that wants to be with this group of people... And you know what it takes to be with this group of people? It takes submission to each other. It takes a willingness to say, okay, let's do it your way. It takes a willingness to say, right, I was wrong. It takes a willingness to be a willing servant. That's what it takes. Attend church. Support it. And if you don't think you need to support it, and you don't think you need it, go back up to number 12, which was humble yourself. Number 15, this is the last one. I see I'm, I'm almost done here. <clears throat> Submit yourself. Have a heart of submission, of yielding. Yeah, it's not always my way. Somebody else can teach me. I'm willing. It's a little like being a learner. Submit yourself to God, to the church, to your parents, to the voice of your conscience. Don't underestimate the power of your conscience. Your conscience is what you've been taught. Don't let that thing, don't let that go. The voice of your conscience, yield to that. Be sensitive to that. And I have the last one here under yield is yield to common sense. Okay, I realize probably go a lot of ways with this, but I'm going to go here. It's always right to do right. And right is always the, 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 the rule. Now, there are some exceptions to the rules that we understand. There are some exceptions. But let those exceptions be exceptions. When you wonder, what should I do about this and what is right here? And sometimes you might say, well, okay, this is an exception. I can do this instead. 
Okay, let it be an exception. For example, getting up in the morning, that's a real hard one for a lot of us. Let it be the exception. If you decide out this morning, I'm going to stay in bed, I'm going to sleep longer. I don't want to push that one so hard, but maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's why I talk about it so much. <clears throat> the 15 was yield. Submit. That's how to grow as fast as you can. <clears throat> I... Thank you for being who you are. I thank you for listening to me attentively. I thank you for inviting me here. I know you all didn't, but I was invited, and I'm thankful for that. I see you divided into two groups. There's a group of you I don't know so well, and then there's a group of you that I know pretty well. That group that I know so well I'm just going to name who you are. I'm not going to name your names. The group from Living Hope Christian Fellowship, you're special. I think you know that. The group from Valley Christian Fellowship out in Halsey, Oregon, you're special. The group from Idaho, you're special. Because I know you. And I have two granddaughters here. You're special. I don't see you, Krista. Where are you? She won't put her hand up very high. I'm sure of that. Oh, there she is. You're special because I know you, and I know where you're going. The other group of you is those that I don't know so well, but I want to know. I sit back there when somebody else is preaching, and I just can't wait till it's my turn to get up here. I feel like running up the aisle. I said that before. I don't think they'd be very dignified. those of you who I don't know so well, I'd like to get to know you better. Because I believe you have in you the same potential of those that I do know better. And that is you have a potential to love God. You have a potential to live for my God. You have a potential to to hold up the same things I hold up. I'd like to get to know you a little better. I may and may not. I don't know. I'm 63 years old. Or two. I think I'm 62. I always forget. Uh, I guess I'm one of the older ones. You look at me and you see my white, my gray, white beard and thinning hair, and yeah, he's older. For me, in my heart, I don't feel that way. I feel good, but I'm a little older. <clears throat> so. To all of you together. I told you last night or whenever it was, I told you that this is a beautiful group of young people. It's beautiful. It's beautiful because I I said this the other night, because I, I know your hearts are hungry. You want to hear from God. Some of you are in different places than others, I'm sure. But for both of these groups... And, and, and there's some of you that I didn't mention in that first group that I know better than some of the others. But, and I don't want you to feel like I'm... I, I, just, I love you all. I'm glad I could speak to you. And I hope and pray that maybe there's something that God put in your heart that you can take home with you and you can grow by it. And you can learn by it. And until we meet again, God bless you. Let's kneel to pray. Can we do that? Turn around your seats and let's just kneel together. Holy Father in heaven, it is with gratefulness and humbleness that we come before you. We are your servants. But we've been accepted into the courtyard, into the, into the realm of our King. We come before you, Father, because it's our desire to have a have and establish a better and a greater and a deeper and a fuller relationship with you. We come before you, Father, because we have needs, and you are the supplier of needs. 
We come before you, Father, because we are, we are on a, in a situation that of ourselves, we will not be able to come through it. We will not make it through. We will be lost. We'll be condemned. We'll be, we'll be destroyed. But we come to you, Father, because of your grace and of your power. We come because we know we need you. And we pray, Father, for your hand of blessing and your hand of power on each of these young people here, that they would, that they would be able to, Father, hold true and faithful to the, to the commitments they have made, to the ways of God. I pray, Father, help them all, that not one would be lost, that if there is one stray, that, that somebody would go out and bring him back. I pray, Father, that your power, your spirit, your grace would rest upon these young people and that they would now go, go out to their, all their respective places that I cannot go and they would bear the name of Jesus and they would, they would bring to, the, to their neighbors and to their friends the truth. I pray, Father, make them a witness and a testimony. Make them, make them Father, somebody that others can look at and say, I know who they are because they're consistent. They, lo they love you and they walk with you. Make them that way, oh God, I pray, that every one of them might someday hear the words of the Master in heaven say, welcome home. That every one of them might look down and look down that page, that book where all the names are written. Their name will be there. Oh God, I pray for that. Help them, Lord, to walk out these principles, these truths that they've received here, that they, have, that they can read in your word, to walk them out, to live them, to implant them in their heart, to change their hearts, that they might be a people of God, every one of them. Protect them from straying. Protect them, Father. Give them an anchor so they do not drift away. Help them, Father, to resist the devil and the enemy and all his, all his uh, temptations and all his fiery darts. To have that shield of faith. Oh, Father, I pray, I pray, make them all, bring them all into the truth, into the light. Bring them, Father, into heaven. Someday I pray for that. I pray, God, may your will be done in their lives and they would accept that will. And they would say, the will of the Lord be done, irregardless what happens to them. And I pray, Father, that you would give them that kind of grace For your glory. Make them, Lord, young people with vision, young people with purpose, young people with, in the end, whenever that end is, again, you could say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, Father, they're going to go home. They're going to go back into the, back into the real world, so to speak back into the place where they don't have this, this um, wall of protection around them quite like they do here. I pray, Father, help them to remember some of the things they've learned here and to, to, to walk that out in their life. That they will be faithful. May your kingdom come and your will be done is my prayer in the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen.